Howdy, episode number 38 of the Fitness Retention Podcast features none other than Mike Arce, CEO of Loud Rumor, the number one lead gen company for fitness studios. He's also the host of two podcasts, The Goat Show and The GSD Show. This guy knows what he's talking about. Uh, In this episode, we talk about a plethora of things, but how to get a handle on retention, how to understand where you are currently and how to get better. Uh, We also talk about role playing as a sales development tool and the awesome potential that it can unleash after the initial discomfort period. And we also just talk about how to market better. This guy is a marketing guru and he taught me a lot about my business and I guarantee if you listen to this, you're going to get something out of it that will be actionable and will make you more money. Um, Speaking of making more money, um, I have created a tool to make you some more money. It's the Attention on Retention Audit. It's on my website, agemotion.com. Check it out. Getting some awesome feedback. If it could fly off the shelves, it would, but it's a digital product, so it can't. So there's an unlimited number of these. A lot of gyms are uh, really feeling it, really giving me some great feedback, Um, already telling me that they've learned some stuff about their business that they didn't even know. They uncovered it. So check it out on my website, agemotion.com. Without further ado, here we go with Mike Arce, number 38. The Fitness Retention Podcast would like to welcome Mike Arce. Mike, what's up? What's up, Alex? How are you? Uh, I am doing well, and I know that you are a master of intros based on a couple podcasts that I have listened to, so uh, can you take it away? (laughs) All right. Well, I can. You want me to do the intro? Give me a – well, I heard yours on uh, Eric Malzone's podcast, the Future of Fitness podcast, Um, and you said that this was going to be like the most meaningful podcast that anyone had ever – I'll tell you right now, (laughs) yes, yes, 100%. Alex, and for everybody listening right now, you're going to want to pay attention very well, and I'm going to make a bold promise to you, and I will back it up, or I'll give you your money back for listening to this. (laughs) cost a lot. But um, now this is going to be the best episode in your in your library. I promise you. I don't know. I don't know everybody you've had on your show, but I don't care. I will tell you that I'm going to give you everything I've got right now. We've worked with over a thousand studios. I study them all. I travel to all the different states. I go to, I got customers in Hong Kong and Australia. I know what the best do. I'm going to share it all with you today. Awesome. Um, <laughs> what gym will like, we'll start off with a kind of a funky one. You've been to Hong Kong. You've been everywhere. What is the most surprising gym and the most surprising location that you've been to? Coolest one that I've been to uh, would be in Tampa, but they're also, so this guy, I met him, he just learned English like seven years ago and uh, just moved to the country like five years ago, started working with us three years ago when things weren't working for him. And he's got this um, electro, like, um, like it's, it's like a STEM type thing, type workout. So you got wires plugged all into you and you're holding tennis balls and you're working out and it's actually stimulating your muscles as you go. Hmm. And, uh, so he's in Tampa, but he's expanding. He's opening up his eighth location now in like two and a half years. And like I said, this guy just learned English, but super smart reads a ton and the workouts. Awesome. I, fl- I flew out there to go interview him and how he's grown so fast. 
And um, he took me to the workout. He's like, you got to see it. So, and I told him, I'm like, man, I got tendonitis. I don't know if uh, I should do that right now. He said, that's exactly why you should do it because you actually don't put any pressure on the joints. It's all to the muscles. It's, like, it's amazing. Man, I was, I work out and I was sore for like two, three days. And I worked out for about 18 minutes. It was amazing. Great uh, workout. And he's driving people in like crazy. In fact, here's the cool thing. In Europe, it's like Starbucks. There's like 1,800 of these in a small area in Europe. In the US, it's so new. So that's why now he's like on his eighth location in like three years because people are understanding how effective it is, especially people that have got money. They don't have, people that have money don't usually have a lot of time. Yeah. So for them, it's like I only have to work out two to three times a week for 20 minutes. That's crazy. They don't believe it because scientifically, mathematically, everything they've learned, I, I got to work out more than that to get results. And it's just not true according to him and his system. And uh, yeah, he's killing it for people. And in Europe, like I said, I mean, it's you open one up and it's full. <laughs> it's crazy. So I correlate like really short workouts in which I get a really, really good workout with not feeling so great after, like you've probably got yourself to the point where you almost feel like woozy or sick or pukey. Is it anything, is that a result of that? I don't feel pukey. I I just felt, I felt real tired. Okay. Felt real tired, uh, but it felt good. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Was that the video of you like punching? You saw saw a little bit of it? Yeah. That's that video. Clip. (laughs) Yep. Uh, awesome. Um, well, I got to tell you, man, before we get started, I love the title of your show. I love the concept of your show, the fitness retention podcast. Nobody's focusing on it, but man, it's a meaningful uh, topic. And everyone that's listening right now, bravo to you because everybody else thinks sales and marketing is sexy, which it is. Mm-hmm. No one's paying attention to that, to, to something real important and a big issue. We'll get into that here as you ask me some questions on it. Cause I know you, I know you will, but, um, I love it. I love that you're focusing on retention. More people need to. Yeah, I, uh, I completely agree. And the reason that I reached out to you initially was um, I heard you on the Fitness Business Podcast talking. It was, I think it was one of their intensives on pricing. Yes. And I think the psychology of pricing is really interesting and in how you can kind of alter things. Small alterations can lead to big changes like in the services that you sell or the, the packages that you sell. 100%. So if possible, can you just kind of elaborate on how pricing and that upfront sale can, how does that like intersect with retention? Let's do this. Well, here's the thing. It doesn't intersect with retention. Okay. So here, that's more of sales. Yep. Okay. And we'll dive into that here. I want to kind of, so here's the thing first, before we get into that, retention is, is, is great. And the reason I love that you have in this show, I believe that the most important piece of any business is sales mm-hmm. without sales. You've got nothing to retain. Yeah. But with that said, I believe that the second most important piece of your business is your ability to retain the sales that you've made. Otherwise it's like shoveling the snow while it's snowing. <laughs> and just like there are many reasons why, you know, you may not get a sale. There are many reasons why you may not retain a member and your job is to get a handle on as many of those reasons as you possibly can and lower it down. It's mm-hmm. a tough industry as it is. So, um, data given by mind body is based on over 56,000 fitness studios in 2016. Mm-hmm. It shows that the average studio only retains 10% of their members for 12 months or longer. 10. That means if you signed up a hundred people on January 1st, 2019, by January 1st, the following year, you've only got 10 of those original 100 still with you. The best of the best retained only about 30% in that test. And anyone listening right now and thinking, I can't be right, we retain way more than that. The people that only retain 10% thought the exact same thing. 
because most people aren't really measuring that piece of their business the way they should. But if you did, you realize that data is correct. So I want to dive into the sales stuff, but I, I, I think the retention thing, man, I, I love what you got going here. And, and that's, that's the focus. You, you can manage retention. You're solid. So what was that? You said that was 50,000 studios or 56,000 studios. Yep. What was the size of the average studio? Cause um, those statistics don't, line up with kind of like the big box gym, right? Where the average retention yeah. rate is like 68 to 74%, depending on who you're Yeah, looking. well, because you have a lower fee and therefore it doesn't even create a blip on your radar when you're looking for bills every month. If you got a $21 fee, it's very different than a $120 fee, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, this, they're studio-based. So yoga, Pilates, bar, a lot of the stuff that MindBody works with. But I mean, even at those big box gyms, I mean, what, what's the point of having retention on your small fees when at the end of the day, you make most of your money off the ancillary sales. And in order to make money off the ancillary sales, the PT, the supplements, the retail, um, the, the nutrition, whatever else you're selling them, because you should be selling them more stuff, not just the burgers, but the fries and the shake as well. If you don't have them in the door, but you're retaining them at 20 bucks a month, who cares? Yeah. I'd rather have people come in the door and spend 40, 50, 60, 80 bucks a month. My gym gets 90 bucks out a month out of me and their fee's only 40 because hmm. I also get smoothies when I'm in there. I also get, a, a, you know, I, a randomly I'll get a shirt or randomly I'll get a lock for my locker because I forgot something or mm -hmm. I'll do something, right? Daycare, they'll get something out of me. I'm not gonna use daycare if I'm not going in. Where do you go to the gym? Mountainside Fitness. Well, I, I, I have like eight memberships to different things. Mountainside's my main gym. But I, yeah, I mean, this is my life, right? I've committed to it. So I got, I got yoga memberships. I got Orange Theory memberships. I got F45 memberships. I got memberships to everything right now. I think my sister goes to Mountainside Fitness, actually. In Arizona? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. She probably does. So why do you stay there? Um, close to my house, and it's a good gym, and it's clean, and uh, all things are right for me. So here's the thing. Sometimes a size nine shoe fits your foot. But what doesn't fit your foot, you've got to use other things. For me, I, they don't need to do anything special for me. Hmm. I've, I've quit other memberships because I wasn't a size. So they had to do other things and they just didn't do it. Mm -hmm. So managing retention is tough, right? <laughs> and you manage retention issues, which is what everyone's got, by first understanding what you're dealing with. Fitness professionals forget that they're not like everybody else in a sense of routine. So us, working out is a part of our life as much as brushing our teeth is. We know we're going to continue buying toothpaste, it's just a matter of which brand we're going to get. Mm -hmm. It's America, and we're generally an extremely out-of-shape country. Most people's biggest issue is getting fitness to be a part of their routine. We're mm -hmm. acting as if they're going to work out anyway, and it's just a matter of our studio and someone else's. It's just not the case. People don't have a relationship with fitness, and that's really the, what the sale is. Not the workouts or the monitors or the fancy retail. That all helps, but it's not the main thing. So look, most people hate algebra, right? I, along with most of the kids I went to school with, loved algebra. You know why? Because the algebra teacher was phenomenal at getting us engaged. It wasn't the subject or the classroom or the books or the location of the class. It was the teacher. The people in the fitness studio are what actually have the largest impact on retention. You get that right to the highest level, you've got a fighting chance to manage retention really well. If not, you're on this treadmill for life and only wearing the size nine foots uh, with the shoe that you got. That's it. Hmm. So there's a ton to unpack there. <laughs> uh, yeah. People, people will be the biggest reason why you lose customers. You lose other people in your company. Um, and you get more referrals and testimonies and all that. Your people will do it. Your people will ruin you or your people will elevate you. Yeah. And it's all, and it's all your fault. Either one.
Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think with, with the issue there is a lot of people oftentimes when they're getting into the fitness industry, they'll come in in a customer service role and they, number one, won't be paid well and they won't be trained well. And so there's a ton of, thing. what's that? Training is the biggest thing. Yeah. And there's, there's a ton of turnover in those positions that are really high touch positions. So if you can't keep the people that are actually running your business and having the most interactions with your clients or your members, the members aren't going to stay. And it starts, I mean, it's like at the ground level, at the minimum wage positions, however you want to refer to it. People in the company have to have a map to get to where they want to go to match their career goals with what they're actually doing on a day-to-day -day basis. This is my feeling. And I think that that's something that fitness kind of fails a lot of the time is looking at where people want to go and then helping them develop those skills. Like software companies do a great job of that. And their employer retention yeah. is high. You know, there's some, there's some softwares that are cool. Um, so here's the, there's definitely a lot of cool tools out there that help you retain more members and get more referrals and all that. But uh, getcostly.com is one of them. Getreferizer.com is another. But the main thing is the people in your hiring process is important. The questions that you ask, the commitments you have to make, the standards that you set and keep for them. So then when, you know, most businesses, where most of them fall short is the training. There needs to be an extensive training process with a high emphasis on this is how we communicate with members here. Mm -hmm. And it needs to be ongoing. There are no days off from employee training. Zero. Not at my company, not at the best. Pro athletes practice more than they play. Mm -hmm. Pro musicians practice more than they play. Every pro practices and trains daily if they not want to achieve greatness just to stay good. Right? Greatness is achieved by practicing more than anybody else on earth. Mm -hmm. But B and C level athletes have to practice a little each day just to stay good. Most small businesses don't understand that and wonder why they can't find good people. The Lakers would wonder that too if they didn't hold practice. Daily training is the most important thing. And the top 5% of the thousand plus studios we work with do this. And there's no exception. So what percentage of time do you think um, a company in that top 5% allocates to training or dedicates to training? Most. Zero. Most of their the time. They get people on board. They train them in the beginning. Some training isn't even really training. It's shadowing, mm -hmm. right? Shadowing, which isn't training. Um, some people do train. And then after that, the only time they train them is when they can't figure something out or when they mess up. They don't do something right. So it's like uh, it's reactive training instead of proactive training. Yeah. Imagine training athletes only after they mess up. Okay, <laughs> now let's practice that. No, we should have practiced. You messed up because you didn't practice that. <laughs> One of my old basketball coaches used to, like when we would commit a turnover, he would say, why would you do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, why, my muscle memory said to. <laughs> Teach me how to not do that and I my won't do it. My muscle memory said to. Yeah. Look, in, in my house, no one's allowed, allowed to say the T word. Do you know what the T word is? I'll spell um, it. I'm not allowed to say it either. T-R-Y. Oh, try. Okay. If you can say it. You can curse if you want to. I'm not going <laughs> to. Okay. Not allowed to say it in my in my house. We don't say it here at this company mm -hmm. because that's a that's a messed up word. And so here's what happens though: when you eliminate that word from your vocabulary, you now by catching each other and practicing it. And so someone says it. Oh, you mean do? I'm gonna try to call him. Oh, you mean you're gonna call him, right? Mm -hmm. You're not gonna tee to call him. You're gonna call him. Yes. Okay. Great. So now that we eliminate that, now for me, it's automated. 
if I hear you say the T word throughout this call, I can, I, without even, it's like if you cursed in church, mm-hmm. everyone would just be like this, right? If somebody says a T word around me, I'm like this. That goes for words like could be, should be, probably, maybe, might be, kind of. You'll never hear me talk like that, mm-hmm. right? Because it's automated. My muscle memory's got me there. I'm black and white. So when the coach asked the guy playing basketball, why did you do that? Because my muscle memory told me to. You didn't train my muscles to not do that. Mm-hmm. Or my right? decision making. <laughs> my decision making is muscle memory, right? At the end of the day, that guy gets the ball and immediately knows to pass it as soon as it gets in his hand. He didn't really make the decision. His body did. Yeah. I, right? think, I think, and maybe this is something that you can elaborate. No, sorry, not maybe. This is something that you can elaborate on. Um, role playing in sales scenarios. Um, so many every day. Every day you do it. We do it every day. Yeah. We do it every day for an hour before we start work. Really? Yep. Every day. What time do you start? I start or they start? What time does your team start and do role-playing scenarios? My team, my team gets in at 8, from 8 o'clock to 8.05. Well, they get in earlier because they have to be by 8 o'clock. They're in the circle. They're in uh-huh. our game model circle. So 8 o'clock, they're in the circle. Um, we are literally just creating energy. We've got the music blasting. So we got to talk loud in order to talk to each other, kind of get us going. Because right now, everyone's got to bed, right? Not everyone, but... I, some people. So we're talking loud. We're at, we're creating conversation. You know, Hey, what'd you do yesterday? What'd you do? Yeah. Tell me about your day, whatever. 806 on the dot. We start our meeting until, uh, 820 at 820. Uh, we are done. And then we move into, uh, sales training from 820 to 840. We watch sales training videos from 840 to nine o'clock. We discuss that stuff that we learned in those sales trainings. We discuss it, right? Like, okay, this is the topic today. Let's talk about it. From nine o'clock to nine twenty, we role play. But we don't. When we role play. We light speed role play, like because we're not role playing an entire sales pitch. The reason people role play an entire sales pitch is because you you never role play, right? We're role playing a piece of that sales pitch. So today we're just going to role play the transition from rapport to money. Yeah. Today we're going to transition. Um, what to say when someone says I'm not interested? Today we're going to tra- We're going to role play uh, when somebody doesn't agree with you. How to agree with them and still get them on that side. That's mm-hmm. what we're going to do. So we'll go through literally 15 role plays in a minute and a half, two minutes. Because we'll just go next, 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 and we go. Everyone in your company or just salespeople? Everyone's a salesperson. That's true. Um, okay, so everyone. <laughs> so Sam went through it this morning. So Sam is right now in projects. So Sam is actually going through the training beginning next month along mm-hmm. with about five other people. Everybody else is all hands on deck in here. And so the way it works is we've got two managers. One of the managers is going to be leading a second meeting um, at a separate time of a day with everybody else, but he's going through our training with us so we can all be on the same page. We don't want to do it with everybody all in the same rooms. Our company's to the point now where we're not going to get enough role play in in 20 minutes with everyone in the room. So we're, we're piecing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's awesome. And I don't know any other companies that do that. Yeah, Grant Cardone does. That's his style. It's his system. I don't, I don't know Grant Cardone yet. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So let's dive into some of the retention stuff. Um, one question that I ask everybody, and it's kind of a meaty question, is what's something that every gym can do starting tomorrow, regardless of size, that will have the long-term effect of them making more money? <laughs> well, that'll make them more money. Mm-hmm. That's easy. Advertising. Okay. What company do you know has grown extremely well and stayed there without ongoing advertising? Nike? 
Nike is believed by almost all real runners to be a terrible running shoe. Yet everybody else thinks Nike when they think of running shoes. Coffee connoisseurs believe that Starbucks has crappy coffee, yet more people Google Starbucks than coffee shop when looking to get a coffee. Hmm. Real techies think Apple sucks and it's too simple, yet everybody else believes Apple is a superior product. They've got superior marketing. Joe Polish said, there is no relationship between being good and getting paid, but there's definitely a relationship between being good at marketing and getting paid. So what can you do right now to make more money? Marketing and advertising. Double down on it, never turn it off. Those that do, never grow. I've never seen it happen. And you, that famous Henry Ford quote, those that stop marketing to save money are like those that stop a clock to save time. It's crazy. <laughs> advertising. That's how you do it. I've never heard that quote. I like that quote. Very popular. Um, okay, how about same question, but to save time. So what can every gym do starting tomorrow to save time? So that, you, you know, you want to focus on the things that drive the largest results. So whatever the top 20% is that drives to 80% of your business, 80-20 rule, focus on that. And also have a plan. Every day wake up, I wake up early. I'm up at 4.30 every day. I take an ice shower and I'm brushing my teeth by 4.35 because you don't stay in an ice shower for longer than five minutes. Absolutely not. Early in the morning. So after that, I write down my goals. I write in my gratitude journal. Uh, then I plan my day step by step. So Jocko Willink, I don't know if you heard of him, but he says, discipline equals freedom. And I believe that. Most people think it's cool to be free. I'm, I'm a free bird. I'm spontaneous. It's crazy. The most successful people I've studied are very disciplined and have routines. You plan your day and you prioritize by starting with the absolute most important thing first. Work down. You'll save way more time. One of my favorite books of all time is The One Thing. Oh, yeah. And that really phrase, that oh, the phrase that I'll never forget from that book. Well, it's the one thing I could do right now such that by doing it, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary. And if you handle each and every day with that mindset, you'll get way more done in less time. You should always have more time than you've got. Do you meditate, Mike? I used to, and I do it occasionally. I don't, I, that's not part of my, it was part of my routine for about a year. I give everything almost about a year. Okay. So I did it for about a year in 2016. And um, I think where I get, so I play the guitar mm -hmm. and, uh, I think my meditation actually comes from the guitar because really, I mean, meditation is just about turning the brain off mm -hmm. and thinking about one thing and focusing on that one thing. When I play the guitar, it's kind of like a therapy for me. I don't know if it's considered true meditation. I'm not a meditation expert for me. I didn't really notice a big of like a difference. Um, mm -hmm. I'll do it occasionally. Usually I do it when I'm having a hard time sleeping or when I feel like I've got a lot going on right now, I'll, I'll kind of meditate to bring the wave, the brain waves down, but it's not a part of my daily routine. Hmm. Um, I just ask because you, you seem very like hyper-focused and I don't want to say regimented in a, in a bad way, but you just seem like you have a handle on every day. And oftentimes I see that when people have a great grasp on their day, they're thinking about it beforehand. So maybe like making that list or looking at that one thing is an exercise that you are doing. That's choice. So here's the thing. If let's say I told you, look, you're going to go to Disney World with, you have kids? Uh, I do not. I'm, uh, no I'm getting married next year. No big deal. Let's say, okay, how about this? You're going to Six Flags with your wife. Okay. I want you guys to get on the most rides as possible and make the most out of the day. Go. What's mm -hmm. the first thing you do before you even like wake up in the morning? Um, do you plan the, the like, do you, do you just get in the park and just, what should we do first? I would or fake an injury. Huh? I would fake an injury and be able to go to the front of every uh, line. Do that. Like, 
Like, <laughs> wouldn't you think the most efficient way to make sure that you absolutely optimize that day is to say, where's the map? Let's open yeah. up the map, right? That's what everyone does, right? You open up the map they give you. You say, okay, we'll go to this ride, then that ride's right there, then we'll go to this ride, then that ride's right there, and we do this, we do this, we do this, we do this, we do that, we should be able to get them all done, right? You don't just run. You don't just go. When you're going on vacation, if you want to do everything you possibly can in your seven days in Italy, what do you do? You plan ahead of time. Okay, we'll go to Venice, and we'll do this, and we'll do that, we'll take a train, you do that. Some people free bird it, but I, get, I bet you they get less done than the guy that planned it, right? So... If we already know that, if we already know if we plan the birthday parties, the parties are going to be more successful. If we plan the wedding, the wedding's going to be more successful. We plan our trip. We already know that. Why would we plan everything? Why would we plan every day? Yeah. You want your day to be more successful? Plan it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know, look, I, I totally understand. I think it's, it's hard to get people to believe that if they've never done it before. Yeah. That's like anything, though. What's that? It's anything though, right? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. I'm just thinking about like a lot of the people that I interact with and work with. If people have to buy into that idea a little bit on their own before you can convince them of the value of something, I think. That's my belief. A little bit of buy-in on their own. I could see that. I mean, at the end of the day, you shouldn't be going for the work, right? Yeah. You shouldn't be going for the, the, you know, the transportation. You should be going for the destination, right? Mm -hmm. So... We don't want to think of the plane ride. Plane ride sucks. You're cramped 14 hours on your way to Switzerland. You want to think about Switzerland. Yeah. Right? The reason you're going is not because of the plane ride, no matter how good the airline sells the flight. Even if the flight's awesome. I took a good flight before. It was awesome, right? But even then, I'd rather be not on that flight if, if all we're going to do is get up in the air, be on that plane, and then come back home. Yeah. Yeah. So. We shouldn't think about the work that goes into it when we're thinking about all planning the day. If you're thinking about planning your day, then yeah, you're going you're gonna to be annoyed and you're not going to want to do it. You're going to commit yourself. It's not your way you work. But if you're thinking about hitting your goals faster than you would have, then you're planning your day just makes freaking sense, right? Like to anything else, why wouldn't you do it? Unless you really don't want to hit your goal or you're not tying the two together. So hitting your goal is actually something that I wanted to um, chat with you about because it's something that I listened to you and Sean Stevenson talk about. Mm -hmm. um, my, well, my first question would be, what is it like to sit down with someone like that? Like, what are you looking to get out of the conversation and what are you looking to give in that conversation? Because super powerful guy. Yeah, every conversation period. He's super powerful, but I'm not looking at anything different from him than you. Like you, I already learned that I got to create more content on retention. I, I learned that today. I got value out of you today already. Awesome. Right? Cause whatever you find, you look, whatever you look for, you find that's mm -hmm. the whole idea. If you look for it, you're going to find it. So if I want to look for how I can get value out of you, like the first thing I did was like, what's his show about? What's he do? Okay. Wow. Retention. Okay. Very cool. That's different. Why was he doing that way? That makes sense. It's important. We should do more on that. Mm -hmm. Right. And now I took that away before we even started the show. I got value. Mm -hmm. Right. When I interview people, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's just, I get to leave the conversation, but it's the same thing. When I'm interviewing somebody like Sean, I want to know what he's done really well. Cause he's done great. Right. The guys, you know, I mean, the guy's gotten through more challenges than probably anybody physically and emotionally. And, uh, yet the guys accomplished more than most. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, that can do attitude, that decisive attitude, that relentless attitude. I want to hear how he thinks because if I can absorb some of that, man, I'm going to win. Yeah. Um, 
I listened to a few of your your recordings. Um, I really like the John Starks recording. Yeah, I yeah. love that era of Knicks basketball. He was my he was my hero growing up. So like that's an example of goal, right? That's been a goal of mine. So think about this for everybody listening, for everybody watching. This is how crazy it is. You should be absolutely unreasonable with your goals. Mm-hmm. Unreasonable. Don't be reasonable. Don't be don't be uh, realistic. Ignore that stuff. When when you're thinking about your goals, don't think about what people will say when you hear your, you talk about them. Because I've been saying I'm going to meet John. I'm, I've been saying I'm going to play basketball with John Starks since mm-hmm. I was 12 years old. Okay. I'm 36. Right. That was one of my goals. I'm going to play basketball with John Starks. My dad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Because <laughs> how can you even imagine that? Right. I, I, when I was 12, he was like 28, 30 years old. Mm-hmm. So like, how, how is that even going to happen? How is that even going to work? He can't even fathom it, right? But in my head, I'm going to do that. And so come down the line. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's the goal. Keep in mind, that's one of many goals that I've got. But I always wanted to meet him. I thought he was inspiring. And then here we go at the show. I interview him on the show, but I demand that we do it on a basketball court because I want to play him in a horse at the end and do something real cool. And uh, I got to not only interview John Stark, sit down and hang out with him, the guy that's literally guarded Michael Jordan and was one of the toughest defenders on Jordan ever. I got to hang out with him, then I got to play basketball with him at the end. Check. That's done. How, uh, how'd a horse go? He kicked my ass. <laughs> he kicked my ass, but that wasn't my goal. <laughs> my goal wasn't to beat him. My goal was to play with him. I, I checked that off the list. I thought you said, don't be realistic with your goals. I just didn't have that as a goal. <laughs> I, didn't ha- I didn't have it as a goal. My goal was to play with him. I never even thought beating him. I just didn't think about it. I just wanted to play with him. Win or lose, I just wanted to play, you know? Yeah. Um, that's awesome. I'm trying to think who mine would be. Mine would probably be Stockton. I grew up a huge Stockton fan. Stockton's all, he's, he's a great, I think he's probably top two, top three point guards ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, a couple of questions that I sent over beforehand. Um, one of them is what are you for in fitness and specifically in the business of fitness? Well, I'm for the fitness studios that treat their business like a business. The studios that take care of their employees and continue to develop them and open new opportunities uh, in their careers to grow, to earn more. Um, The studios that manage their money well and know their numbers, that really train in sales themselves and appreciate things like the science behind their pricing, the cleanliness of their facility, the documented systems and process for everything you do. Because when all that is done right, Employees stay longer and do their best work. Processes are executed perfectly almost every time. You can afford to upgrade and upkeep equipment in your facility. You can afford to host really nice uh, member appreciation events and closeouts. And when all that happens, Alex, the most important thing happens that every fitness studio owner actually wants. The experience for the members is better than it could ever be. The members are way happier. They're more impressed. They're successful. They're loyal. And I'm all for that. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously I agree. The, the point of this show is retention. And um, you see a lot of companies might nail like three out of those five things or four out of those five things. But what's something that kind of to turn the table, what's something that you're against in fitness in the business of fitness? The exact opposite. Oh, seriously. So I'm against people opening up a business and not taking it seriously, not treating it like a business and respecting what a business is. Mm -hmm. Everyone loses when that's done, even the owner. Most business owners in this, you know, in this space are hypocrites and are in denial of it. 
most business owners don't read every day and train every day, but they ask their members to train like that. Most don't want to be a little more aggressive in the sales process or ask for referrals or ask for testimonials, upsell, cross sell, all the stuff that's important in sales and growing your membership. Why? Because it takes them outside of their comfort zone. Yet they ask their members to stretch to that zone every day because they know that's where the results happen. The top 5% of the studios we work with get outside of their comfort zone as a business owner more than they ask their members to during the workouts. Yeah. They read every day, they listen to podcasts, get coaching mentors, meet other studio owners regularly to share ideas with and their failures. And everybody else is working way too hard because their ax is dull. The top 5% keeps that ax sharp and they need way less swings each day to get the job done. So how many, how many studios have you been to, like, let's say in the last year? Estimate. I, I estimate in the last year, um, probably 200, 300. Okay. So I really, what I've worked on in my career is building the ability to ask good questions at the right time. Mm -hmm. What are some of the questions that you've been asked at those 200, 300 studios over the last year that stuck out to you as like really impactful to get information out of you? To get information out of me? Um, questions like you've asked me today. I mean, most people are struggling with a retention problem, right? We talked about that. Like the best are start retaining 30%. The average is 10%. So most people have a hard, hard time stopping the bleeding. And then if they're if not, and, and, or they're having a hard time making sales. So that's why they keep going down or they stay very low. They stay static. Um, any question regarding sales or retention to me is a great question because that means you're at least thinking about the stuff that means the most sales, advertising, retention, you know, um, advertising to me is, is something that people don't ask a lot of questions on. And I think the reason is because they don't understand it because they don't spend time learning it because they don't, you know, sales, we, you inevitably have to make sales, right? Like we're talking to people, we have to do a sale, whether we suck at it or not, whether we studied anything about it or not, we have to do it. Yeah. Right. Um, retention, same thing, but advertising, I think a lot of people just kind of like post stuff and maybe they'll boost stuff and we'll do stuff here and there. But I think they have a hard time advertising because they don't know what questions to ask. It's like, you know, that, that phrase, you can always judge a man's intelligence by the questions that he asks. Well, if they're not intelligent in the, in the world of advertising, they're not going to ask a lot of great questions. Hmm. You know? hmm. Okay. <laughs> how about from a, how about from like a customer, uh, lens? What kind of, when you look at the, when you're going into a new studio, do you ever go in like secret shop, that kind of thing? We secret call them. Okay. Yeah. So what do the top 5% do on that call that um, peak interest or what assistance? They are processed. They have a process. So when that person calls, the way they answer the phone is a process. Mm -hmm. When they start the line of questioning. That's part of a process. Um, when they schedule them and then they confirm the appointment before getting on the call and then they solidify the appointment again before getting on the call. And then they send a text message after the call to thank them for the call and excited to see them. And then they send a confirmation email, text and phone call the next day to remind them about the meeting or about the, about, about the demo. And then when they show like all that stuff, that's, that's a pro you could tell when it's a process and when it's not. Mm-hmm. It's like when you watch a sports team, you can tell when they're running a play and when they're winging it, mm-hmm. right? When they're running a play, it's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Art form. They're all moving to different areas, but they all come together for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they're winging it, you got people standing around, you got people running, people running into each other. 
Um, when you, when people are winging it on a sales call, I mean, it's, it's chaos. The, the caller, in this case, me, if I'm secret calling, I control the call and that's the worst way to make a sale. He who controls the conversation is, is going to be the one that makes the sale. Mm-hmm. So what you're describing, um, it almost sounds like automating the process. Yes. So how do you personalize and automate at the same time, kind of keeping it genuine? That's something that I see a lot of companies struggle with is it's too automated. It's not personal at all. And that doesn't set the relationship off on the right foot, at least for me. The reason it's not, the reason it feels inauthentic is because you don't have muscle memory around it yet. You're running a system anyway, even if the system is no system. Yeah. Right. You're running. So for example, a thing I just said to somebody the other day, you know, if I told you to say the alphabet backwards right now, go ahead and start saying it. Go. Uh, this is literally the worst thing I can do. Z, Y, X, W, V, U. I'd like. Uh, do you do you, do you, even sound, you sound like you feel like you sound stupid, right? You feel like you sound robotic. You feel yeah. like you sound like you're thinking about it, right? Now say it forwards. A, B, C, D, F, G, H, A. Yeah. I mean, I can do it. So, in my but I'll, I'll bet you, I'll tell you this right now. Give yourself 20 minutes mm-hmm. and allow yourself to practice it over and over. You'll say it backwards as well as you say it forwards. Yeah. I believe that. And it will sound fluid. It will sound fluid. The reason it doesn't sound, a system doesn't sound fluid is because you don't practice it. Mm-hmm. You don't do it three times, four times, and then expect like, and then you're practicing it on a customer or on a prospect. You want to practice in practice, not in the game. Yeah. You got to role play that a ton of times until it's just as fluid as your lack of system. Yeah. Your lack of system will sound way worse than your fluid system. Yes. I, uh, I mean, whenever, so when I started as a trainer, I would role play with as many people as I could who worked at that gym so they could give me candid feedback. And it, I mean, just even practicing once a week, you said you practice every, every day, but practicing once a week makes you look so much better than practicing once a year or once a, you know, decade, which is what I see a lot of people doing. They role play their first month in the job and then they never role play again. And remember, and keep in mind, practicing once a week will keep you on the team, but you'll be on the bench. Yep. Yeah. And, and you may not even stay on the team. Yeah. You'll just be better than a lot of the cuts. <laughs> right. And a lot of but, people are okay with that. And that's crazy. I'm not okay with that. Oh, I know. I'm not okay with a lot of people are okay with that. Anyone listening right now, if you're okay with that, I'm not okay with that. Because you know, at the end of the day, it's our obligation to, you know, uh, utilize everything we've been given, mm-hmm. right? And we, we've been given uh, the ability to speak, the ability to remember things, the ability to practice, uh, the ability to train and then the country, given the ability to open up a business, the ability to make sales, the ability to give a service, change a service anytime you want to, right? And I think it's, I think it's dumb that people aren't, you know, making a ridiculous amount of money. I think it's dumb. I think it is dumb. And, and keep in mind, I don't think it's dumb if you're not making money right now, right? Because you may be on your, on your journey to doing that. But you better be on the journey. Don't just be sitting in a plane that's not moving. <laughs> Sit in a plane that's about to take off. But in order for that plane to take off, it's got to move forward. And in order for that plane to move forward, you can't stay in the same spot. In order to not stay in the same stop spot, you've got to get better. In order to get better, you've got to get, you've got to 
learn things. You know, take, take fitness as an example. If I wanted to be a competitor on stage, right, the big physique show, I want to get up there and I want to, I want to be like the number one guy on stage in America in physique competing. Okay, that's you what I want to huh? not, not yet, not yet. People would think so, but I'm not. But let's say I wanted to be, right? But let's say I never learned anything about fitness. For some reason, the, the country I lived in or the, the house that I lived in, I never knew what a protein was or what a carb was or what a fat is. I never knew what a rep or a set was or what a bench press was or anything, right? Regardless of my genetics, do I have a shot of becoming first place in the world in a physique comp competition? No, of course not. No. In order for now, now, regardless of, let, let's say, regardless of my efforts and how hard I work, could I learn all of that stuff, reps, wets, uh, uh, rep sets, exercises, nutrition, all that. Could I learn that with what I already got in my head? Or do I have to get external information, put it in my head, and then get more external, external information, put it in my head, get more external information, put it in my head, take action on it, implement it, take more information, put it in my head, take action, implement it. I've got to do that. Mm -hmm. Because even if you say, hey, I want you to go ahead and compete, here's, here's 10 years, go ahead and do it. You can give me 20 years. I'm not going to do it if I'm not allowed to learn about protein and carbs and fats and all that stuff, right? And so same thing goes for sales or advertising, or retention, customer loyalty, leadership, money management, HR. You want to get great at those things? You've got to learn more than anybody else in the world. You want to get good at those things? You've got to learn about what most people know. Mm -hmm. You want to stay decent at those things? Eh, like pick it up once a week or so. You want to suck at those things? Well, then just rely on what you've got in your head and just work hard. Just work <laughs> real hard. Hard as you can. Hmm. Hard as you can to suck. Hmm. So I have like five more questions I want to ask you. Okay. Uh, so you asked me if I had kids. Yeah. Do you have children? I have four. Four? Yes. And you're 36? I am 36. I, I get shit done. <laughs> GSD transfer. Uh, it's my whole motto. What's the most important lesson that you want each of them to keep from you? Um, just know what you're wired to do. Like really understand yourself, study yourself. Don't study other people to decide who you're going to be. Know who you're meant to be, what you naturally love, what you naturally like are good at, and then find ways to leverage what you've wired to do. And Don't, who taught you that? A lot of people, man. I, honestly, I've been blessed. And when I say I've been blessed, I, I truly have been. I, I've, I, I've met really, I've met one really great mentor when I first, you know, like second, third year of my business, I was really struggling and uh, he took me under his wing and then um, didn't charge me anything. And then he introduced me to a couple people and they did charge me, but he introduced me to them and told me to pay for it. And then, you know, what I learned is the most successful people believe in that. Mm -hmm. The most successful people don't want to be somebody else. They want to be whoever they're meant to be at the highest level. And I think and you have the best chance of doing that. And I think Ed Milet was speaking about that on, on your recording with him, right? That's a great example of that. Yeah. Great. Um, okay. How do you want to be remembered in the fitness business, the fitness industry? What do you want your legacy to be? What will your legacy be? I want to be the most helpful person they've ever had. Okay. I want to be the guy that changed the game for them more than anybody else. Okay. I, I want to be, I, I, I think I am that guy. I am that guy for many people, 
the people that trust me, right? The people that know who I am and, and, and came with me. Mm-hmm. I am that guy for, for many people and I will be that guy for many more. Hmm. What, what's the most impactful book that you've read recently, Mike? Every book has some impact on me. I, I read every day. Right now I'm reading There's a Customer Born Every Minute by Joe Vitale. It's the real story of P.T. Barnum, the, the, not the nonsense that you've been sold in The Greatest Showman, which is a great movie, yeah. but totally undersells how incredible that guy really was. He was the king of advertising and would absolutely dominate in today's world. He dominated in his world. Hmm. But to answer your question, whenever somebody asks me about books, I always say it's like music. It depends on the situation. You don't listen to the Rocky soundtrack while having a romantic dinner with your girlfriend and you don't play sexy slow jams while maxing out on the squat rack, right? So for books, I always say, read what you need. You got a sales problem right now, read a few books on sales. If you don't know your numbers well, get some books on money. Read what you need. I'm planning on some pretty big marketing stunts in 2019 and I decided to study people like Richard Branson and P.T. Barnum and Tony Robbins. They've done that extremely well. So I want to get my mind in that state so I can think the right way when brainstorming and planning my upcoming activities. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, so for me, read what you need. What I need right now is that. So that's what I'm going after. Hmm. Okay. Um, what's in your gym bag? Three things that you could, let's say your gym bag, you packed your gym bag today for the rest of your life. You already are clothed and you already have music if you want it. What are the other three things in your gym bag? Anything. Yeah. Oh, a huge bottle of water with electrolytes, the Rocky soundtrack, and a billion dollars cash. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> said money yet. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you? You got to have a big bag. Yeah, or big bills. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Um, let's see. Um, I know that you said that you're thinking about retention stuff for, you, you said you have some resources on retention, right? In your libraries, your archives. Mm-hmm. How, geez, I'm trying to frame it the right way. Um, why is that important to your business? What, what does that mean for you? Oh, I mean, it's the most, for my business, why it's important for other people to know retention? Yeah. Because my job is to get members, which I do very well. But if you can't keep them, what's the point? All I'm giving you is more snow to keep shoveling. You want that snow to compound. You want to put the shovel down. So um, I teach you how to put the shovel down so that the snow can continue to pile up. And that's what we want. So um, it's extremely important. Very important. Hmm. Okay. Um, let's see. I've got, I've got one more. Um, what's your favorite quote? Uh, you find what you're looking for. The one I already I have no idea where it's from, but it's my favorite quote. I I don't know who said it. You know what? Here's the thing I've learned. Most quotes are actually either misstated or misassigned. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a sucker born every minute is not what P.T. Barnum said. It's there's a customer born every minute. A sucker born every minute was by his competitor that wanted to take his business. Um, Lincoln never said about two or three different slogans that a lot of people attribute to him. And he never said that. So there's a lot of like, there's so a lot of quotes out there that are misaligned. So I don't pay too much attention to that. I pay more attention to what it means. And to me, you find what you're looking for is 100% right. You want to find um, success in your business, look for it. Ongoing. Be obsessed with it. You'll find it. You want to find uh, you know, a reason why your life sucks, man, look for it. You'll find it. It'll be easy. You'll find it. Everything's easy. Every, I don't care what you do. If it's been done before, it's easy. 
Growing a business is easy. It's just easier to not do it well. Uh, making, uh, getting great at sales is easy. It's just, it's just easier to stay terrible at it. Um, you know, you can learn anything. You got the internet, you got electricity, and you have eyes. You can learn anything. <laughs> you know, everything's easy. All you got to do is know that and know that the alternative, which is not doing it, is easier. And that's why we do that. We, we naturally, as a species, are in survival mode, meaning we go to the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's the easiest thing. We got to learn how to fight that instinct that we got. So, number one, your analogies are probably the best I've ever heard. Uh, so, good job on that. Where do you, where do you get your analogies? Like, how, do they, how does an analogy stick with you? Because you have to use like five that I'm going to steal. I have no idea, man. Honestly, you know, the thing is sometimes I need analogies for myself just to kind of make sense of something. So I think, uh, you know, uh, I can't remember who said this, but somebody says, uh, you're just as ignorant for believing something as you are for not believing something without further question, meaning you should further question something, right? So people that are like, oh, eggs are bad. I just heard about it. Eggs are bad. It shouldn't be eggs, right? Like you're just as ignorant as the guy that goes, Ah, I don't believe that shit. Eggs are fine. You're just as ignorant. The question should be, well, why are they bad? Tell me why. Why does that matter? Well, why is that? How does that hurt me? Well, who said that? Who did that study? What was that study done? Right? So um, I think the reason I come up with analogies or the reason I, I remember analogies so well is because it's, it's a way for me to like understand and make sense of a lot of things. And then also to help other people make sense of it. You know, when I train my people or I work with my customers, my, my clients, I got to I got to explain it to them in a way that they can get it in, in, in the world that they live in on a regular basis. Um, where can people find you, Mike? They can find me uh, everywhere, man. I'm, I'm, I'm running ads. Man. I'm all over the place. <laughs> all you got to do is go to my website once, loudrumor.com, and I've got you for life. Look, <laughs> here's the thing. For, for those that don't know what Loud Rumor is, mm -hmm. I'm assuming everybody on your show is in the fitness industry, the fitness pros, right? I want you all to know this. This is, this is going to sound arrogant. Do I have permission to sound arrogant as long as you interpret it as this is the truth? You said you were going to be the best episode ever, so I'd expect nothing less. Hope I have been so far. We'll see. But I do not have competition, Alex. You know that? I'm blessed. Yep. We do everything better. My team's too good. We care about our customers the way nobody can because we actually understand them. Like I said, I've traveled to over 30 states just to interview the best studios the best business owners out there. When you do that, you begin to understand who you're dealing with, what they want, what's important to them, what, what's important to their business. So our advertising campaigns on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, they perform better than anybody's ever seen. The conversations we have with the, you know, their account managers, our account managers, the better conversations they've ever had in the past. On top of that, I train them in our program on how to sell, upsell, cross-sell, get referrals, get testimonials, get on local TV four to six times per month, run their own marketing strategies, retain more members. I tell them what products, software, vendors, and tools the top 5% in the world are using from US to Hong Kong to Australia. Nobody's doing that, man. So that's what I'm saying. Understand my confidence a bit, but we've worked hard to build the best company out there for fitness studios. I've committed my entire life's work to it. We're always adding to it. And it'll be even better tomorrow, period. And then I'll say that tomorrow too. So that just sounds exactly like, um, have you read The Science of Getting Rich? No, but I like the title. So it's a great book. It was written, I think, in like 1906. And one of the rules that the entire book is based off is create, don't compete. 
Mm-hmm. And that is like one of my favorite quotes, but it sounds like exactly what you're saying. Like you're not competing with anyone. You are creating something that your clients can't live without. Yeah. You, you want to know the perfect say, case scenario that I'm creating? Here's what it is. You go to a barbecue. Two people are sitting down at a barbecue. You've never met them before. You ask them their names. They tell you and you say, what do you guys do? And they both say, actually, we both own companies that help fitness studios grow like they've never grown before. And you say, wow, so you guys have different companies? They say, yeah. You say, which one's better? And one of them goes, I'm the best. And then this guy's second best. And then you say, oh, what about Loud Rumor? I heard they're the best. And then I want them both to say, well, if you're counting Loud Rumor, yeah, but they're like on another planet. They're, <laughs> they're not like, they're like totally different, right? Yeah. And so to me, that's what I mean. There's five different levels of people. Okay. Everyone's in the middle at most, in most cases, everyone, unless you're like a Michael Jordan, unless you're like a Tom Brady, or unless you're like a Mike Arce in this case. Okay. Okay. There's five levels. This level is where you're at now, the middle level for everyone listening. So the level above it is the people that are just ahead of you, just ahead of you. Therefore they're reluctant to tell you stuff. You're reluctant to tell them, them stuff. Both of you are a little intimidated by each other. Mm-hmm. Same thing goes to the level below you, right? You're just a little better than those guys. Then there's the level way down here. These guys are like, they're so far behind you that like when you meet them, you actually love helping them. You give them feedback, you coach them, you mentor them, you do whatever you can. They look up to you. They don't want to steal your stuff out of respect. They like totally never step on your toes. And then same thing goes for the guys that are two levels above you, right? You have people that you look up to and you just want to, you want to help them however you can. And they help you. They, they never have any holdback. My goal is to be up here at the top and eliminate this guy. And right now I'm doing it. I've already got three people that I'm coaching that are fitness marketing professionals. I coach the fitness marketing professionals that many listeners here might have at one time rejected unless they started working with me. Hmm. So you're a boss. Yes, I believe so. And I think everyone should think that way. I think if you own a business and you can't say that, then you've definitely got it. That got a, a, pro, a psychological problem. Cause here's the thing. If I'm not certain that I'm the best, how am I ever going to expect my prospects to? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm certain about it. And, and I, and I, and I know it for hundred yeah. percent and you should be, you're good, man. This is a good show. Thanks Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I'm just getting started. So I'm, you know, connecting to as many people like you as I can and seeing what I can learn through osmosis. So awesome, man. I, uh, I really appreciate you coming on. I think we've almost gone an hour, which is awesome. I feel like we could go yeah. here, uh, but it looks like you've got a thousand to do <laughs> on your wall behind you. To uh-huh. do this. Um, so I'm going to let you jet. I'm going to jet Mike RC loud rumor, the fitness retention podcast. Thanks you for coming on. And I just want to say thanks for taking Woo! We did Woo! it. We did <laughs> we'll it. leave on that note. All right, man. Take care. All right. Bye, Mike. All right. That wraps up episode number 38 of the Fitness Retention Podcast with Mike Arce, CEO of Loud Rumor, the world's leading lead generation tool for fitness companies. Um, just so much information in there. Listen to it twice. Listen to it thrice, if you will. If you know someone that you think would be an awesome guest for the Fitness Retention Podcast, or if you want to nominate yourself because retention in your business is buttoned up, shoot me an email, ajemotion at gmail.com. I'm always looking for awesome new perspectives, awesome new guests, 
and people who are changing the industry. Uh, shoot me an email and we will figure out how to work together. Head to the website at ajamotion.com or add me on LinkedIn. Get a hold of me however you want. I love talking to people and I love helping the industry get better. So let's do it together. All right. Adios, guys. Signing off for the Fitness Retention Podcast. This is Alex Armstrong.